Okay, grab your Bibles. We're continuing our series called Made To. We've been talking about things that we have been made to do or things that God has made us to be. Okay, how many know that if you understand, if we could understand our unique design in Christ, we are much more likely to fulfill what God has called us to do and to understand who he has called us to be. It's really important that we understand our identity and who he's made us to be. Um, The Bible talks about things that we are designed for and some of the things that we are not designed for. Um, Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been doing a household project and um, you misuse a tool? Like you're using a tool, but it's not like for its actual intended purpose. For example, have you ever used like a butter knife for a, a screwdriver? Anyone ever done that? My wife has done that many times and over the course of our marriage, and I'm always like, go get a Phillips head screwdriver. Go get a flathead screwdriver, right? Okay, sometimes we misuse things. They have a, a, a different intended purpose, um, and, and uh, that's a misuse. Um, I often will misuse grammar. I'm not like a good grammar person. I've got, on my computer, I have grammar checker on steroids, like, I pay for the upgraded version to fix my grammar. And if I ever put out a document, like, that I know a lot of people are going to read, I'll send it to Melinda Snyder, um, or she'll, she'll go through and, you know, fix everything. Or the notes that, you know, that you're maybe looking at this morning on the YouVersion app or on the Church Center app, those notes, people take them, edit them for me, make them presentable, okay? I misuse grammar sometimes. How, uh, how about this? Have you ever misused a word? I'm not saying, like... You said a bad word. I'm saying you misused the word. Um, Over the course of my wife and I's marriage, we've been married 17 years. You know, I was 24 when we got married. She was 23. And when you're married for 17 years, I'm 41 now. She's 40. Um, When you're married that long, your your vocabulary grows, doesn't it? Like from from the time you're young to whatever, over the course of your life, your vocabulary grows. And occasionally, if you're around someone long enough, they'll to try out a new word. You've never heard him say that word before, and you're like, you've never said that word before. But occasionally, we'll catch each other and like saying a word, and like, that word doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? Um, it's not so bad when you're sitting at coffee or whatever and talking to each other and like, no, that's not what that means. And you just look it up and figure it out. It is not so great when you're standing in front of people preaching and then your spouse tells you like, that word doesn't mean what you just said in front of all those people, <laughs> you know? So anyway, you can misuse words, you can misuse tools, but we have a created design, a created purpose, and our our bodies and our soul and our mind can be misused. And the Bible outlines things that we're made for and things that we are not made for. Let me give you just two examples for illustration's sake. Number one, here's something you were created for. You were created for good deeds, good merits. God didn't just put you in this world to take up space. He put you here to shine light and to make a difference. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ, Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay? You're created to make a difference. You're created to shine. You need to know that. Um, but, um, so yeah, we're, we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for our good works. Amen? Um, but there's also some things that the Bible talks about that we are not created for. I'll give you one example. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 13, 
It says this, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. It, this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. Okay, so your body is not made for sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Um, um, other translations would use the word fornication. So um, sex outside covenantal relationship um, pornography, adultery, those kind of things. You're, you're not designed for that. You're not made for that. The Bible says there are certain things you were designed for. There are certain things you are not designed for. But just like the stomach was made for food and food for the stomach, our bodies were made for the Lord and the Lord for our bodies. He was made for you. You guys remember that old milk commercial? Milk, it does the body good. Milk, it does the body good. Okay, listen, the Lord, he does the body good. Okay, the Holy Spirit in you, Christ in you, he does the body good. He, you are made for him. Okay, so that's what we've been focused on, uh, focusing on, uh, things you're made to do, things we're not designed for. Okay, um, so part one, what we talked about this, you were made to receive God's love. You were designed and fashioned by the creator of the universe to receive God's love. Part two, Emily did a great message, Pastor Emily. She's talked about how you were made to run. There's a race that God has marked out for you in your life that you were made and destined to run. Part three, we talked about last week, we are made to be confident in God's love. You're made to receive his love. You're made to be confident in his love for you. The title of our message today is called Made to Worship. Made to Worship. You are made. God, when he formed you, when he thought of you, you were his idea. He made you to bring glory, praise, and honor to his name. We as humans are designed for this, to bring the King of kings and the Lord of lords glory. When you praise God, when you bring worship to his name, you are aligning with one of your created purposes, to bring praise and glory to the living God. To bring praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is to align with part of your created purpose. So many people go through life, there's like a crisis, an identity crisis. People go through life not knowing what their purpose is. And listen, I might not be able to tell you vocationally what exactly you're supposed to do, but I can tell you for certain that part of your created design is to bring praise, glory, and honor to the living God. Here's the deal. You were made to worship. And I can assure you that you will worship something. We're created as worshipers. We, are, we will worship something. The question is not whether or not you will worship because you were made to worship. The question becomes who or what will you worship? Okay, that's the question. Some people are like, should I, I'm going to go to church today. Should I worship? Should I not? Listen, you're going to worship something. You're created to worship. It's who you are. The question is who or what will you worship? if you don't worship God, you will end up worshiping an inferior substitute. Okay, that substitute, that God could be you. That God could be the God of pleasure. That God could be comfort. We as Westerners really like our comforts. That God could be a relationship. Some people elevate a relationship above their relationship with God. Um, That God could be money. That God could be a family member, a spouse, a career, or even a hobby. Okay. Now, those things, that list that I just said, those things in and of themselves are not evil. It's not, it's not 
you know, money's not bad. It just makes a terrible God, right? Uh, pleasure isn't bad. Um, having a spouse isn't bad. Having a career isn't bad. Having a hobby isn't bad, but they make terrible gods, okay? Anything we have in life, especially things that God has given for our enjoyment, it's possible to elevate them above the Lord. So you were made to worship something, and the question becomes not if you will worship, it's who or what you will worship, and you were designed to give praise to the living God. It's part of who God has called you to be. You might in this life, I don't know if you're called to be the butcher, the baker, or the candlestick maker, but both now and forevermore, you've been destined to bring praise to the living God. Um, This is our eternal vocation. A lot of young people and even other old people, they're like, I need to find out my job, my vocation in this life. Well, I don't know exactly what that is, but I can assure you that your eternal vocation is to bring praise to Jesus. I think it's funny that uh, Pastor Greg, who's our worship pastor, he's one of the few people that we know he's going to have the same vocation in heaven, right? Like all of our vocations, I don't think they, everyone's there is saved, so I can't preach the gospel, you know. Um, but but the, the, the role of a worshiper, that's something we're all going to do for all of eternity. It's part of how God has made us. Today, to kind of build this point and talk about this, today is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week culminating in the resurrection of the Lord. Next week is going to be awesome. We're so excited for it. But Palm Sunday, almost 2,000 years ago, marks the first time that Jesus allowed himself to be publicly acknowledged as the Messiah, okay, as Lord. Um, Throughout Jesus' ministry, there were people that caught a revelation of like, oh, that's the Messiah. Oh, he's, he's God. He's God incarnate. And when people recognize that, or he healed someone, oftentimes Jesus would be like, you're healed, now don't tell anybody about it. It's kind of the opposite. Like if you got healed of something, I would say, go tell everyone about it. Give God glory. But Jesus, for a while there, was like, blow the radar. But Palm Sunday became the first time where he's like, because he, Jesus held the reins there, he allowed himself to be publicly acknowledged as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as Messiah. Um, we're going to read some text here from what's called the, the triumphal entry, where Jesus entered Jerusalem. And um, the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, the story of Palm Sunday, it's in all four Gospels. And each Gospel gives a slightly different um, angle of that day. So if you want to get a more full picture of what happened um, 1,990 years ago, uh, almost 2,000 years ago, um, you can read all four of the Gospels. We're going to read today the Gospel according to Luke. So Luke chapter 19, verses 28 and 44. It says this, After Jesus uh, had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. I just, I just want to throw this in because it's cool. Any, any time in the Bible where they went to Jerusalem, they went up to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jerusalem is in a high area, a high place. And before this, you can see, if you read in the scripture, that Jesus was ministering down by Jericho, which is down by the, um, the Jordan River that flows into the Dead Sea. So the Jericho is actually below sea level. It's about 850 feet below sea level. And Jesus travels up the road, which there's an old Roman road there that parts of it still exist to this day. And Jesus goes uphill about 3,500 feet to get to the, Mount of, the top of Mount of Olives in about a 50-mile span. So I just want to say... Jesus was in shape. Jesus was a hiker, and Jesus was in shape. Some of you think he was just 
a weak drifter? No, this, this guy was in shape, and so were his disciples. They all were there if they were on foot in those days. Okay, verse 29. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who sent, uh, were sent went ahead and found it just as it was told to them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? I, I would probably ask the same question, right? Someone's like getting in your car. They're taking, commandeering your vehicle. You're like, why are you taking it? And he said, the Lord needs it. But apparently in that day, um, you know, royalty or kings, they could commandeer vehicles and things, or well, not vehicles, the animals. Um, they didn't have vehicles. Um, so these people accepted the, um, the explanation. The Lord needs it. And I'm sure they brought it back later. Verse 35, they brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As they went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. The other gospels of, say that they also cut palm branches and laid them on the road. Verse 37, when they came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully uh, to praise God in loud voices for the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them. Why? Evidently, um, they were attributing what was happening to Jesus. They were attributing it as praise, as worship. And there's like, this is blasphemy. You need to rebuke your disciples. This is what Jesus said in verse 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus is like, if these living stones don't honor me and bring praise to me, these natural stones are going to have to cry out because praise needs to go forward today, all right? Man, don't let the stones cry out to God. You know, creation claps its hands and bring, the, the trees clap their hands, the Bible talks about, and, and um, the earth itself and the elements bring praise to God. But listen, don't let the earth just do it. Like, that's our job. We're supposed to bring praise and glory to Jesus, Amen. Now, what I want you to notice today is how Jesus was honored in the trial, triumphal entry. Um, people lay their coats on the ground, their, their, their cloaks, and they spread palm branches. What are they doing? They're recognizing the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. This is what they're doing. I find it interesting the different ways that we honor people of you know, royalty, or we honor people in positions of authority. I found it interesting, like the different ways that we do that. Um, for example, the laying down of the coat for someone to walk on. It, apparently this happened in Jesus' time. It's not a new thing, but um, it was once thought uh, gentlemanly that if, come up here, babe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to be a gentleman, which is, which is difficult to do. What's that? Oh, she, she said, tell them about the jackets. We're both wearing jackets today. And here's the deal. We don't like being matchy-matchy. Like, we're not one of those couples, you know? And, but when I preach on Sundays, she gets here before I do and makes sure everything's squared away at the church, and I usually come later. I didn't see that she was wearing a jacket. She didn't know I was going to wear a jacket, and so we're matchy-matchy today. Um, but we don't, typically, we don't typically do that. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we, be, we each look good um, separately. separately, but together it's kind of weird. I don't know. Do you guys do the matchy-matchy jacket thing? I don't know. We're, it's, not our, it's not our thing. But anyway, it was once thought gentlemanly that if you're, if you're walking with a lady and there's a puddle, you, you would lay down your jacket and the lady would not have to get her shoes muddy or dirty. Let's give Emily a hand. Okay. Ladies, how many of you, men don't really do this anymore. I think I would just pick her up and carry her over before I laid my jacket anyway. But ladies, how many of you like wish this was still a thing? I don't know. Is this, is this something you want? Is this, you guys still want this? Is it okay? Okay. They think it's weird. Some of these people. Some of you are like, yeah, put your coat in the mud, right? <laughs> That's a funny way, I think, to honor, honor people. Um, I'll give you another example of what started the, or, the, the origin of it was an attempt to give someone honor. But how many see that I have my top button buttoned, my bottom button is unbuttoned? This is considered proper etiquette when you're wearing, for men, when you're wearing a suit jacket. I went to a funeral, um, you know, a few months ago, and I have a friend that was there who's a photographer, and he said, hey, I had all my buttons buttoned on my suit jacket. And he said, hey, you're... Your bottom buttons, you need to unbutton that. I'm like, why? Because it's proper etiquette to unbutton the bottom button. I'm like, well, why do I have a button if I have to? Why, why is it there? Why do we have a button that we're not using? Tell me why. So he didn't have the answer why. And so I looked it up. And this is the reason. The reason that this started was because King Edward VII, he was the Prince of Wales. He ruled from 1901 to 1910. Uh, he got too fat to button the bottom button of his jacket. And so he left it open. So rather than everyone else making him feel dumb for putting on a few, you know, holiday pounds or whatever, um, everyone just started, like, leaving the bottom button unbuttoned. And so the, the, the British courts, the, the British colonies, Eng- all of England, they stopped buttoning the bottom button of their jacket as a way to honor this person, and it became a fashion statement to leave the bottom button. Isn't that weird? I think that's weird. So I'm going to button this button because King Edward is dead. And uh, it's not my fault he ate too much cake. Anyway. Um, all right, I'll unbutton it because it's still, it's, still, it's still etiquette. Okay. Um, what, what else do we do? Um, Standing when a judge or someone important enters the room. Military, they have the salute, right? They salute one another. Um, opening a door for a woman is considered, you know, the, it's not because she can't open the door. It's because you're, you're showing honor, right? Um, I didn't know this when I got married. My wife's basically taught me everything I know about being a gentleman. Um, <laughs> but when we got married, we'd be walking along the street. She's like, hey, you're, you're supposed to walk on the outside. I'm like really? Why? She's like, well, actually, last service, I thought it was because if a car hits you, um, which is probably true, but she said, no, if, if someone drives by and splashes water, like, you, you will get wet, and I won't get wet. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like, if that's, I'm, I want to be a gentleman, so I'll do it. Here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. Going out of your way um, to honor, I'm sorry, 
giving honor to royalty or someone important or showing honor to someone, basically, look, we have funny ways of showing it, but it basically looks like going out of your way to make that person feel honored or um, makes them feel more at ease or more comfortable, okay? Um, so I want to ask the question today. What does it look like for us, for you and for me, to go out of our way to show honor to the same Jesus who entered Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago, this same, on this very day, 2000, almost 2,000 years ago, he came into Jerusalem and received honor. They laid their coats for him to walk over, for the, for the donkey actually to walk over, for the palm branches. They were showing honor for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to ask this question to you. What are you doing in your life to show honor to the King of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? How are you yielding your life to him? It says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says this, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense of every, uh, to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but do this with gentleness and respect. He says, Sanctify Christ as Lord. Where? In your hearts. The word sanctify, it means to regard as special or sacred. Uh, it, it means to treat as holy, to treat as set apart. Okay, here's the deal. Jesus, obviously we know Jesus is holy. How many know that Jesus is holy? I hope you think he's holy, because he is, okay? Jesus is holy. Um, you're holy too, if your faith and your trust is in him. You, you've, we get the gift of righteousness, like we receive the righteousness of, righteousness of God. But... Obviously, Jesus is holy, but we are supposed to set Christ um, apart in our hearts as holy. So treat him as holy. Um, Treat him as set apart. Treat him as sacred in our hearts. Where? In our hearts. This happens in our hearts, okay? He is holy, but it says here in the scripture to regard him and set him apart as holy. How can we do that? Well, one of the ways you can, perhaps, is to... uh, find ways to show honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It literally means to be holy. It literally means to make a distinction between two things, like common or uncommon. Okay, holy is like uncommon. This isn't a common thing. Um, let me give you an example of this. Um, how many of you here have uh, fine china in, in your your uh, dishes and stuff? You got fine china. A lot of young people don't have fine china anymore. Some people inherit it from grandparents, and they're like. What am I going to do with this? You know, um, but a lot of people have a a nice set of dishes, right? Fine china, and then they have the regular set of dishes. Okay, fine china is what? It's for special occasions. Tupperware is for leftovers, right? You have fine china, uncommon. Tupperware, common. Tupperware is for leftovers. Fine china is for special occasions. Fine china is stored in some glass cabinet, right? Tupperware is usually just casually tossed below the sink. Um, one you treat very carefully, right? Fine China, you're very delicate with it. One you're not careful with at all. It's Tupperware. I, I was thinking about this recently, but you know, if you have a, someone in a household who's sick and they feel like queasy, like they're gonna throw up, um, and they're on the couch, you make sure they have their water and everything they need. But then if they're gonna throw up, you want something that they can throw up in instead of all over the couch, right? And oftentimes, uh, that ends up being some Tupperware that's like below the sink, but then, which is gross. I don't know what your strategy is to keep people from throwing up everywhere. Do you guys use Tupperware? Yeah. yeah. What? 
Pots, yeah, pots. It's better than throwing up on the couch, right? But then it occurs to you later on, you're eating popcorn out of it, watching TV, and you realize, like, oh, someone threw up in this. <laughs> okay, that's Tupperware. It's not, it's common use. It's not, it's not uncommon. It's not special, okay? Here's the deal. What does it look like for us to treat Jesus as special, as sacred, as set apart. The Bible uses several different ways to describe our relationship with the Lord. It says that, you know, we're friends of God, which is awesome. Um, Abraham was a friend of God. It says that we are servants of God. There's all these different um, facets to our relationship with the Lord. But one of the things we want to do is regard him as Lord. We want to regard him as king. He is a king. We want to treat him as king and honor him as a king. What does that look like in our lives? Are you going out of, a, out of your way to make special accommodations for this king of kings? Are you going out of your way to make this royal king feel more at ease and more comfortable? You know, as a, as a church, we, we, we worship first. And I say that worshiping the Lord is like our highest priority in the service. And we're not just doing that because just so that we like the music. And yeah, this one's a good one. We're doing this actually because God inhabits the praise of his people. We need his presence here. We know that, you know, I, I preach a sermon, we make plans, but ultimately we need the presence of Jesus to come and change us, right? Yes. We try to create an atmosphere where he is honored. And when he is honored, he comes in and then the gifts of the spirit, gifts of prophecy, and those things move, the gifts of healing move and he, he comes into our midst. We try to create an environment for Jesus to be comfortable, to come in. How can we do this in our own lives? Let me give you some examples. What does worship to him look like? Um, you can worship him, obviously, with your voice. You can, you can say praises to God, thank you for today. You can sing praises to him, right? You can worship God with your body, by lifting of your hands, those kind of things. You could dance by offering your, your body as a living sacrifice for the Lord, how else can you worship God? You can worship God with your money. Have you ever worshiped God with your money before? What does that look like? It means honoring God with your finances, honoring God with your money, being a tither. And of course, tithe is the first 10%, and that's the training wheels for a life of generosity. Um, but more than that, I think God is like, yes, give me the first 10%, but also let me speak to you about how to spend the rest of the 90%, right? Is he the Lord of your finances? What about your, how else can we worship him? You can worship him with your time. You can worship him with your affections. What in your life is making special accommodations for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? How, how have you sanctified him in your heart, set him apart in your heart as Lord? I have a silly video to kind of illustrate this point of being set apart, what that might look like. Um, it's a little silly, but it'll, it'll stick in your minds, and I, I want it to be stuck in your minds. And so we'll play this, and then we'll, we'll uh, conclude. So the worship team, you guys can come up. Go ahead and roll that video.
How far would you go to regard the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to acknowledge his kingship and his lordship in your life? Nearly 2,000 years ago, on this day, Jesus was honored going into Jerusalem. And we know he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We know that he is God. That man in that video, he publicly acknowledged this lady as set apart from all the other women in the city. How? He made special accommodations to show this person. What are we doing in our lives to show him this honor that we need to show him? He is a king. Let's show this king honor. Luke chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said this. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man, Jesus speaking of himself, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God and the Father. Verse 9, but whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. I want to live a life where I publicly acknowledge the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. I have a question. Are you unashamed of the one that you claim to follow? Today, I just want to encourage you to consider this in your own life. Is there, is there any area of your life that you're holding back where you can show honor and glory to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? You were made to worship. We were made to bring glory to God. It feels good to align with your created purpose. I want to encourage you to do that today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close with a worship song. Father, we love you. I thank you for every individual here in this place today, Lord. I thank you that we are made to worship. And I pray, Lord, that no one here would set anything above our relationship with you, Lord. That you, the relationship with you, Lord, would be the highest priority in our lives, Lord. And if there's anyone here who needs a recalibration and an adjustment, Lord God, I pray that you would just right now, Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts, Lord. Go beyond the words that I'm even speaking. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would speak to their hearts and show us, Lord, are there areas that need adjustment, Lord? You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we want to magnify you, lift you high, and glorify you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.